Hello, everyone, and welcome to Analytical Fanboys, the modular media weekly media club podcast. I am one of your hosts, the modular king of the content ring, the vacuuminator, and I'm joined, as always, by the highly rated Boingo Rider. Meltzer gave me seven stars. Yeah, you you make good matches sometimes. (laughs) Hey, guess what? The coolest toy collector in the Sunshine State is also here. It's Snow Cone 83. I buy toys for a living. <laughs> not yet. You're not making money off of videos yet on reviewing. Them. When you are, you should put that on a shirt because that's a hilarious catchphrase. It's my living. I can't live without toys. <laughs> he needs the plastic to function. That that it that is an existence. Uh, so let's get into some this week in modular. What's up, boys? What you got going on? What have you been doing creatively? I've just been working on a video. The um, I recorded the I had a script and I recorded the audio for it. And as soon as I finished the recording of the audio, I was like, I wasn't happy with that script. I want to punch it up some. So I punched it up some, then re-recorded. Now it's edited, and I just need to EQ it and start making a video. Nice. That's some workflow shit. Uh, Cody, uh, did you get anything at all done? I got more work done. Okay. Um, I'm trying to figure out a good part part to interject my week, but we can continue. All right. Well. Um, I have just been posting, uh, on Instagram a lot. I've been doing a lot of that. Uh, been showing photos of the Lightning Collection Beast Morphers Blue Ranger, and that seems to be going over really well. Uh, his actor actually liked the photo I posted of him as a Blue Lantern, which was nice. Um, and, uh... Oh, yeah, I put out my first actual toy review in the Vac Shack. I've been dancing around it for a good long time, and I decided, hey, let's pay off a debt long due. And I reviewed Generations Warpath uh, as I continue to spiral into madness. I am also finally following up on that promise I made Kali Kari Shoka almost nine years ago. Um it's, it's a good video. I like it. I'm proud of it. Uh, I, uh, it's definitely the most uh, edited toy review I've done thus far. Uh, was very careful about certain music choices and things like that. And uh, I'm happy with how it turned out. What can I say? However, I also have no idea what I'm doing next because I had planned to do a first impressions video on the AEW figures this week, but I couldn't fucking find them. So I'm probably just going to walk into the Vac Shack tomorrow and grab something randomly to do a backup plan on. Do a one minute review where you, because you already have the ring, you just set up the ring, goes like, hey, I'm going to be talking about the AEW figures. And you just take a photo, go to the ring, go like, I don't have any yet. And to just let the camera stay on for a minute and then cut the video off. No, no, no. I review one of the Elite Collection Matt Hardys, and I'm like, guys, I got a prototype from Wave 5! But, uh, yeah, that's what all I've been up to uh, this week creatively. So, 
Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our main topic, which was uh, put on the list by Mr. Chris Gaston. It is the anime classic Lupin the Third: The Castle of Cagliostro. Uh, Cagliostro. My, my, uh, sorry about that. Uh, which happens to be the first anime movie Hayao Miyazaki directed. And uh, this was my first time viewing it. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but let's go round robin, give some basic thoughts on it, starting with Chris, since it was his submission. Uh, this was my introduction to Lupin Third. I love Lupin Third. Uh, this is probably, like, right up there in some of my favorite Miyazaki films. And considering Porco Rosso is my favorite Miyazaki film, you start to understand what I like from Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. You like the warm-hearted action-adventure shit. Yeah, but give me, like, weird planes and, like, pulpy adventure and give me, like, an asshole protagonist who has a heart of gold. Mm. Cody? Well, uh, the first time I watched this film was about probably like a month ago, <laughs> randomly, for whatever reason. I think it was just on one of the streaming apps I have, and I was just like, yeah, sure, it looks neat. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Fell in love with the movie. It's fucking wonderful. And upon my second rewatching, guess what? Still love it. Um, it just makes me happy. It just makes me really nice. Yeah, man. Uh, this this was my first time with the movie, and I am kicking myself. This is my first time with anything Lupin. Like I haven't even seen Lupin Ranger yet. Um, but uh, this this was my first time with uh, it, and I'm kind of in love with this movie. It's it's literally the kind of shit I would fantasize about, like, a perfect adventure guy life for myself when I was a little kid. Like, this this is, like, the ultimate hero archetype for little kids. It's just swooping in, trying to do a cool thing, getting mixed up in a bunch of shit. Lady falls in love with you, and you say, ah, I gotta move on to the next town. You find somebody who will actually settle down with you, and you leave. And you're the fucking coolest guy ever. And... All the fucking... Every shot in this movie is beautiful and comfy. Even the chaotic action shots. I'm just, like, I'm slowly, like, melting into my pillows and going, like, yes, this is beautiful. This is good. I like it. Um, it's, it, like, I'm sure he'd done a lot of work in other departments on animation before this. But for first outing for the Miyazaki, this is, like proof that he was always destined for greatness. If I remember right, this was his first film directorial debut. Uh, he had worked on the Lupin the Third television anime before this. He had also worked on uh, Sherlock Hound. And I'm pretty sure there was like another anime that Miyazaki had hand in before this. Where he liked it, like, in all of those, he did animation, he did a little bit of storyboarding, directing, all that kind of, like, mishmash, I think this was, but, yeah, that's generally how it came to be. Mm. So he had worked on Lupin before, and this was just kind of like, alright, cool, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um... I don't, I don't even know where to where to start with this, because it's just, like, 
everything in this movie perfectly flows together. And it's, but you also can see like all the little building blocks that would eventually make a Studio Ghibli film. Yeah. It's, it's very much got that classic Ghibli aesthetic of kind of World War II, but kind of heightened fantasy. Um, a lot of the characters are like quiet, reserved, and calm, but occasionally will just get really passionate about their feelings for one another. And the bad guy is a complete bag of dicks. Um, and other than the Lupin characters, everyone looks like a Miyazaki character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love how um, the princess l- literally just looks like a prototype of Kiki. Like, did anybody sure. else get that? Yeah, I can see that. It's like, oh, you just make her shorter and change her hair color. But uh, uh, one weird, unrelated thing that I love about this is uh, being able to recognize some of the guns they sprinkle out throughout. I mean, what? Who cares? But like, whatever. There's like the bad guys are using PPSHs. It's funny to me. No, the, um, Miyazaki is like weirdly into technical shit, so he probably wanted you to be able to recognize that kind of thing. Yeah, and Lupin the Third is well known for I think using a Walter P ninety. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Yeah, like, but he's well known for using a specific type of gun. Yeah, like, like, like you said, like the tech. That's what I love about this animator. Just like every time I see something, every time he does something with a. There's a model kit series out about like just tanks that he's like designed and stuff like that, and they look fucking ridiculous. But you have to paint them, and but I don't know, man. Like, there's just something so like feel good about the music in this movie, about um, just like the overall vibe. Yeah, and I love how like a lot of the Lupin characters, because. This this is tying into a TV show that was going on at the time. Several how, TV shows. I'll explain Lupin the Third and how all that kind of stuff. No, works I, in the I day. know how insane that franchise is. Don't worry. Oh yeah. But like, none of the characters like need a proper introduction. It's just this person is there, and by like two or three beats into the first conversation they have with another cast member, you understand their pre-established relationship. Um, like. I, I love the relationship Lupin has with uh, the oh, I'm I'm forgetting his name the guy in the black suit. Oh, Daisuke um, Jigen. Yeah, they they like have this perfect. Okay, it's clearly one of them is the boss, but they also have a lot of respect and love for one another, and they're willing to goof around about like who's supposed to do what. Um. And like when Fu- when you realize that Fujiko is Fujiko and she runs in the Lupin, it's it's like immediately you get that they have this kind of Catwoman Batman relationship of we're never actually going to get together, but we're going to constantly tease each other. This is probably the best way to introduce anybody to Lupin the Third. Like you try to get anybody in like one of the older anime. They're just going to go like, I, bleh. they bounce off of it, especially because 90% of the time Lupin and his friends are dicks to a lot of people. 
like they're fun, they're goofy, they're like, yeah, you get them and you and you enjoy them, but they're still criminals, they're still thieves. They will still like stab a person in the back to get what they want. Um Oh no, lost it. Somebody else go. <laughs> but like oh. this movie presents them all as pretty like cool and heroic. And it's just like it's a good way to get someone interested in the character, and then you go like yeah, watch this, and you go like, "Oh, cool! They're doing more like genuine thievery." Yeah, it, it comes off like a group of Robin Hoods rather than uh, I can't think of another famous group of uh, of thieves that are like blatantly dickheads. Or you could always go with uh, Lupin's grandfather, Arsenio Lupin. Mm, that's fair. Uh, I do like uh, one one thing I found hilarious about this movie is there is a flashback to a younger Lupin uh, when he first met the princess and he looks the exact fucking same. Um, And I realize that's an anime thing of like you don't show age unless it's a character getting extremely old. But I saw that and I just went, oh, Lupin's a Time Lord. Okay, you're not you're not wrong. No. Yeah, because the jacket thing, right? Yeah, there's an entire made for like TV movie OVA kind of thing called Red versus Green, where the best way to put it is Lupin the Third is kind of dying, and then all of a sudden, a thousand and one Lupons in different colored jackets are going like, "No, I'm Lupin," and are fighting each other until one guy who we've been following the whole movie, who hasn't been Lupin, who was kind of a sad sack, he kind of slowly became Lupin. One, and he runs into Daisuke and Jigen, uh, Daisuke Jigen and Goemon, and they go like, "Oh, sweet Lupin, you're here. Let's go." It's an OVA series or a fan made OVA series. No, it was made by the 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 people who make Lupin. It was, but it, I can't remember if it was made for a TV movie. Or if it was like an OVA kind of thing. But basically they did Common Rider Decade. Yeah, hold on. But like, it was really good. And that was like my, honestly, it shouldn't have been, but that was like my second thing of Lupin. Well, the reason why I watched this movie out of curiosity originally is because one of my favorite Lupe Fiasco songs <laughs> references Lupin the Third. Really? Uh, yeah, like direct, like there's like a couple bars about it, and I was always like, as a younger person, I was like, I wonder what that is, because he also raps about other things I like, like just, just general shit. He, I mean, if you ever get the chance to check out Lupe Fiasco, he's fucking great. But um, just I don't know. I, I like I saw the title and I was like, so that's what that is. Let me give it a try. Hmm. Looks pretty interesting. I'm interested in the uh, new movie too. Basically, the if you guys are liking Lupin the Third, I would suggest com- like kind of avoiding the old anime because it's very episodic. And- I know there was a new show a couple of years ago that I heard was pretty good, but I never jumped on it. Yeah, the newer anime is really well animated, really well designed, beautifully done, and it's just Lupin the Third. <laughs> Oh, the bad guy in this movie kind of looks like uh, Griffith. He does! Oh my god! He's like Griffith with a more masculine physique. Something about his face makes me uncomfortable, too. Just like the stretchiness. 
But he's yeah. like a creep. So it's kind of oh, makes sense. He looks like a Japanese capo. Hmm. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I also like. There's just some incredible fucking bits of animation in this movie. That again, showing Miyazaki's talent very early on. Um. Like the the bit where he like pull votes from one uh castle turret to another. Like that is some serious Sakuga shit. And I mean the the car chase, it's from what I hear, it's fucking iconic. And it is great. Steven Spielberg said it is the best car chase put to film ever. Damn. Genuinely it is what it is genuinely one of the best car chases because you can follow the action, it all makes sense, and like every bit of it works for the scene itself. That is that's not wrong. Like all like all the action scenes in this is great. It's it's gen, it's it's great, it's Lupin. Uh, the um the design of like the the copper or the chopper uh chopped helicopter, whatever. Um the gyrocopter thing. Yeah, like all of that stuff is like really fun to watch being animated. Um but I think one of my favorite things about this movie and my favorite like what would you call it, like um sequence is when him and the inspector are in the uh dungeon underground. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I like anytime like rivals have to team up, um, and I also really like how uh, at the end of the movie the inspector's like, "Well, he did steal something, your heart," and like, eh, that's just like so nice. I don't know, it's it's cool. That's um, that's very much a classic movie moment. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and Zenigata is one of the best part. Like Lubon the Third would not work without Zenigata. Like you have to have them there to kind of be that counterbalance. Yeah. And then this this is one of the best versions of him because he does work with them a little bit. He understands is like, yeah, no, Lupin Lupin's a thief, but he's not a dick. And I'd rather work with a thief than an asshole. Also, a lot of parts in this movie remind me of uh, Bloodborne. And I wonder if it didn't inspire it. How so? Just uh the the dead crit. I mean, it's a, it, it's kind of hard to say that this was like the castle thing because like there's been other castle things. It's just it's just uh, the way some things are lit, the way some things look. I can the, definitely see like the assassins being a bloodborne, soulsborne yeah. kind of bad guy. Um, but. I don't know, and um, also uh, the inspector kind of reminds me of uh, I guess he's like a uh, uh, the the bad guy from fucking Jet Set Radio. Yeah. They have like the identical like fucking Stormtrooper dudes. I also um, I I also just, because we briefly kind of brushed over her, I do really like how the the princess isn't just a one-dimensional trophy for Lupin and the other uh, characters to fight over. She actually has, like, a fair bit of dimension to her. Um, and just, like, the various ways she tries to resist what's being done to her 
on her own, especially during that wedding scene where she's just like keep keep has this fucking dead eyed lip shut expression of like, I'm going through with this, but I ain't saying jack shit to any of you. Y'all fuckers. And, so and actually drugged. I think she might have been. Mm. And then Lupin knocks her out of it. But also you got to also uh, Fuchiko Mine. She's there complete, like having her own adventure. And it's not like any damsel in distress. She's like a very important part of the whole plot. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing that's so impressive is it it very could have easily could have been like, here's the sweet pure girl, and then here's the badass ass kicker girl. But like they both kind of have little bits of both characterizations to them. Especially because Fujigamine helps Zenigata bring down the counterfeiting operation. Mm-hmm. My, one of my favorite exchanges in this movie is also between Fujika and uh, the princess. Just because I like how, like, natural and at the same time, like, unnatural, because I'm not used to seeing stuff like it, um, at least to my knowledge. Or, like, Fujika's, like, she's like, she's like, you're not starting to love him, are you? Or she, she says something along the lines of, like, oh, it seems like you're starting to love him. And then she's immediately like, I think you love him. And, like, that's just neat, because, like, again, that adds dimension to, like, both characters. Because, like, in any other movie, you'd never have, like, the princess person say some shit like that. I mean, but that's, like, some human shit. Like, that's cool. And it also works for both those characters as a way of having them assess each other, because in that moment, Fujiko is trying to warn her off, and the princess is trying to get defensive of her territory. Yeah. And Fujiko is also like establishing for the audience, hey, this story, she's not the love interest. Because, like, depending on the story of Lupin the Third, she kind of is, she isn't. It's an on off thing for the characters. Mm-hmm. So it's like a good, like, hey, by the way, she's in the thing. Shh, Lupin's not trying to get in her pants this time. Got it? Good. Yeah. Like, all the characters in this movie are pretty well fleshed out and, and like feel like real living people, which is a real accomplishment for a 90 minute animated, excuse me, a 90 minute animated film. Um, and like the, the only real complaint I could have as far as the cast goes is Goemon. I felt like he was extremely one note in the movie, but also like this isn't even remotely his story. Yeah. And like, it's really interesting how well they get characterization for like most of the cast, because you're supposed to go into this movie knowing who Lupin, Daisuke, Goemon, Fujiko, and Zenigata all are. You're supposed to already have a basis of knowledge of who these characters are, but they still do brilliantly establishing everybody. So if this is your first time watching Lupin, no, you get it. Yeah. And getting back to Zenigata for a moment, I love how he has that whole third act, uh, like end of the second act moment of trying to go to his higher ups to get reinforcements and being taken off the case and then deciding to go back anyway, just because like that's a perfect way to, to establish that to use modern terms, he's not a pig like this guy did not join the police to enforce the law. This guy joined the police to do what's right. Yeah. And, and the cool thing about, And the cool thing about Zenigata is 
And all the Lupin stories, he never catches Lupin. So you think, oh, he's a shitty, he's a shitty detective. He can't, he can't get his guy. They made a spinoff just for Zenigata, where he's do, where he's solving crimes and always gets the guy to go like, yeah, no, he's a great detective. He just can't catch Lupin because he's that good. Nice. But like, like these characters, are like, I don't want to say they're the default archetype for a lot of Japanese media, but like. If you have a gentleman thief, they're in in like manga or anime. They're gonna reference Lupin. Yeah, I mean, even Common Rider has has done Lupin references. Um, if you're gonna have a cool detective, they're gonna reference Zenigata, like mm-hmm. the detective in Jet Set Radio. There's a little bit of Zenigata in them. Um, same same thing with the detective in the Pokemon games, Detective Looker. I'm pretty sure uh, Gen from Common Rider Drive was based off of him. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder what kind of influence Lupin has on uh, Spike Spiegel. There might be some. Like you can kind of see it with the way Lupin is. Lupin came out 1969 in Japan. I'm pretty sure. Like it was in the 60s. It was one of the early early mangas. That really got like big, and in a way, you can kind of look at it as it, as like its parallels and equals are Astro Boy, Speed Racer, Common Rider. Like it's that that significant of a manga in Japan, and uh, it it really shows. Um, just just to the quality to this movie and the quality to this franchise that like this is the number one Lupin thing I always hear about in the West. Like occasionally people talk about the manga or the TV show, but not to any real depth. People fucking love this movie. It's an all time classic to anime fans. And like seeing it now, I get it. Like there were moments in this movie where I was watching it and I was just like, I just want to. I just want to melt into this movie. I just want to exist in this world. Can I just, can I be Lupin? Can I consume Lupin and then be Lupin, please? The only, the only, the only thing about this is I watched the dub, but it wasn't the dub I had originally watched. Cause the original dub I watched Lupin was voiced by David Hayter. I'm pretty sure that's not the dub I watched. <laughs> yeah, no. If you don't know who David Hayter is, he is Solid Snake. <laughs> I watched mine on Amazon. Yeah, it's probably a newer dub. So I think they redubbed it recently. That's possible. My my dub sounded old as shit, but like in a good way. I don't know. I mean, it's it's an early anime film that's popular in the West, and it's associated with Hayao Miyazaki, so it's probably had, like, five dubs, and the most easily available one is the Disney one. Yeah. But even... Uh, Disney only had Ghibli. They never had this, because this isn't a Ghibli film. Oh. But yeah. Oh. Uh, I'm glad I got to share Lupin the Third because I'm a big fan of it, and there's not a ton of like 
a ton of like people who can just go like, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Lupin the Third. You either hear of it or you see one thing and go, ah, okay. Yeah. Thank you, man. I will check out more of this at some point. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's hard to say, like, too much. I mean, it's not hard. It's it's just, like, a fucking wonderful movie. Like, even as, like, just to, like, look at it as, like, a single package by itself. Like, it's great to just take and consume, and it's just filling, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's everything everyone wants to say. So do we want to go ahead and find out what we'll be talking about next week? Sure. Sure. All right, I am spinning the wheel now. But also found out the David Hater dub is the manga entertainment dub, and manga entertainment isn't around anymore, so that's why it's probably harder to find. Ah, Slipper Scott. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. <laughs> Cody, I'm sorry. You might want to take next week off, because we're talking about... Common Rider Amazon's season two. Oh god, we gotta fucking because oh. <laughs> there's so much to watch. I know, but you said you wanted it on the list because it was the only way you'd watch it. Uh, can we just skip it this week? Because I have so much I need to do already. <laughs> I mean, all right, we don't have a big audience, so I don't think they'll get pissed, but. Okay, here we go again. Respin it. Nice. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, okay, that's much better. That's much better. Next week, uh, we are going to be discussing something I put on the list, and it is my personal favorite Tom Hanks movie, a very underrated and obscure film called The Terminal. Hmm. Which is about a guy from a Middle Eastern country who comes to New York and then war erupts in his country, so he gets trapped in the airport. They made a movie about that? Yeah. And this was in the mid-2000s. What the? Dude, I know. I was, was like, watching YouTube videos about that, like, two days ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know a movie existed. Why? That's so random. That's interesting. It's a legitimately great film. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. I have seen it once before. Ooh. Well, well aren't you special, Chris? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to gauge by the tone of that what your opinion of it already is. But uh, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Hey, Chris, shut up and tell me about AEW this week. It was so good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Like, legitimately, I cannot believe how good and fun all of their political spoofing is. Because I'm fucking used to WWE doing that and it being like basic bitch casual crash shit. And this week they did something that was extremely tasteless and crass and oh, oh boy, I don't even want to. I'm going to seal that can of worms right back up. Um, But MJF running for AEW world champion and Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy having a debate moderated by fucking Easy E of all people. Mwah. 
It was so good. The debate was fantastic. It really showed, it basically painted the giant arrow and go like, all right, all you people complaining about Orange Cassie saying there's not much life here. Here's his gimmick. Stop complaining. Um, the six-man tag, the like 12-man tag. Oh my god. Fantastic. That, that was some of the going. best character work I've ever seen in wrestling. Uh, Anna J is still officially confirmed for Dark Order. That's fucking great. Yeah, I I, uh, I love how they're playing into the whole gimp mask comparison by just having her dress like a dominatrix. Um, best friend Santana Ortiz feud is fucking heating up, and I can't wait for it. I like legitimately. I love that all three of those guys are getting a push, and that it's not just being done on Orange's strength alone. Like they're putting a lot of stock in Trent and Chuck. And um, what else was it? Oh, Sammy and Matt Hardy fucking going at it. Yeah. Um, apparently, he wasn't supposed to get busted open, and Sammy got a talking to for that. But, like, it was it was good television, and Matt's fine, so I'm not too upset about it. The only... I'm not upset about it, but I do think because of it, it lessened the impact of blood in the main event. Mm-hmm. Because oh boy, that main event <laughs> for oh a for a match that only had like a couple weeks build. Fuck, dude, that was heartbreaking. I legitimately was tearing up as Mox was cradling Darby in his arms after he got the win. Because he just sees himself there, and it's like, oh shit, I may have like taken a year off this kid. Yeah, I I I love that he's like trying to. He, they have like this love affair, mentor student relationship that can be read as so many different things, and like that—that's beautiful storytelling. I hope Mox is in AEW for a long ass time because we know Darby's gonna be. But like, if this relationship can continue to develop and change and grow till like up until the end of Mox's career, that could that could potentially be one of the best stories in wrestling ever. Yeah, but it, it it was so fantastic. The never give up. MJF trying to fucking get Mox out, and it's mm-hmm. just like mm, so good. A lot. Did of you layers. see he stole Brian Myers's toy belt? Yes. <laughs> so good. Did, did did he like train MJF? Yes. Perfect. A lot of the younger stars from in AEW right now are actually from Brian Myers' school that he runs with Pat Buck. That's cool. Um, like Chris Statlander came out of there. Uh, Jungle Boy didn't primarily train there, but he did come there a couple times. Um, yeah, but also and... Jungle Boy was from the LA area. He's in that school's up in like the New York, Long Island area. Yeah, and Reynolds and Silver are from there. Which, they got a fucking amazing match this week like it, it it obviously was dwarfed by a lot of other things but i legitimately enjoyed that match not just for cardona debuting like there was so much going on there establishing his and cody's friendship putting silver and reynolds over as actual legitimate wrestlers and then like setting up cody versus scorpio sky which is something i didn't know i wanted till this week but now i'm just like yes please inject that shit right into my veins 
but also showcases why they are also in the Dark Order when the Dark Order has a major tag team because they're two different types of tag teams. Yeah. Because Evil Uno and Stu Grayson are kind of like brawlers and bruisers, while the other guys, no, they're flyers. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it was a good night. And um, except, you know what else was, fun? before I move on from this, you know what else was great? Them, uh, uh, fucking, what, what's his name? Taz, constantly reminding you on commentary that there's still stuff going on with his, his team of guys. Like, they're banned right now, and they're trying to find a way back in. Yeah. And then... And, uh, you know, it was short and not, there wasn't much to it, but I did enjoy the little bit of Swole Baker build we got this week. Yeah. Uh, that was really good. I need to go and actually watch Dark and the tag team tournament, but. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I definitely will get to it. It's just, it's just, there's so much other shit going on right now. But also, um, apparently, they're stopped. They stopped busing in jobbers, and I've start- basically people are going like, "Oh, maybe Dark's starting to do more storyline stuff again." Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing about this week is like, I don't know about you, but I I was actually checking the crowd for shit that was going on, and like there wasn't much other than the usual chicanery we've already picked up on, but I did notice. That Sheeta, because every night she's not had a match, Sheeta has been in the crowd, and like she is doing some of the best selling of reactions to what is going on, and not in like a goofy eye for an eye, are you kidding me? kind of stuff that's going on in WWE of the roster just trolling each other. Like she's legitimately selling it like a babyface champion when a heel does something shitty. Like she's she's like shocked and then she's mad, and I'm like Damn, you're actually a really good actor. I want them to do even more with you. And you also always have the gun club. Mm-hmm. Those 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 wonderful boys. Yeah, uh, that was that was AEW, and who boy is good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's get on to some weekly vibes. And uh, I've usually been thrown to Cody first, but this week let's change it up. Chris, what you got going on? I've just been reading a bunch of comics. Um, namely, I read two DC books. Oh. I read the Terrifics. Um, so the Terrifics stars Mr. Terrific, who's a very smart scientist guy, a plastic man who's a stretchy dude, uh, Metamorpho, who's kind of like a rocky kind of guy, and Phantom Girl, who can kind of turn intangible, invisible kind of stuff, and they go on uh, cool sci-fi adventures and shit. Yeah, it was it was DC um, during Rebirth going, oh, hey, Marvel, you're not doing a, uh, a Fantastic Four book because you're bitter over movie rights? All right, let's let's troll you and and do a Fantastic Four book of our own. It's actually pretty good, and it feels distinctive enough that it's not just a Fantastic Four ripoff. Um, I do love Metamorpho as a character and player. Oh, he's great. They're both like they have a great relationship in that because like they're both shapeshifters, so they give each other shit all the time. Like, legitimately, everyone on that roster is someone in DC who I'm like, I like what I've seen of you, but I've never read one of your own stories. I need to do that. The Terrifics is a good 
starting place, like because it's just solid. Fair enough. Um, they do some multiverse shit at some point in the book. Bizarro becomes a part of the team. Uh, makes his own anti-terrifics called the Terribles. <laughs> Glorious. Um. No, it's really good. It's solid. Uh, they do have their own Doctor Doom. Oh, called Doctor Dread. <laughs> Is it just like Judge Dread in in a cloak? No, it's a caveman who got unmelted and fell in love with a girl, but couldn't get her, so he went and turned evil. What? Yes. Yeah, no, it gets weird. Um, <laughs> no, it's solid, and there's and, and they do a lot of cool things with just like paneling and layout of the comic like there's a couple issues where each page is four panels and each panel is correspondent to one character and if they're in the same scene it's one panel it's not two panels hmm so it's really kind of cool uh but the other major book i read was a dc book i read doomsday clock Ooh. oh god damn it was pretty cool. I liked it. Whoa, okay. Um I'm, I'm I'm here to listen. I'm here to listen cuz all I've heard is this book is shit, don't read it. Okay. Here's the thing. You also got to remember, I'm the kind of guy who can fully accept the clone saga as eh, pretty okay. That that is fair. <laughs> so you got to take that grain of salt. Doomsday Clock is not a sequel to Watchmen. Alright. Don't read it as a sequel to Watchmen. It is a DC event featuring DC characters and these Watchmen characters. It deals with topics and themes from Watchmen, yes, but it is, but like, where Watchmen is, real people can superheroes are a dumb idea because real people are assholes. Doomsday Clock is saying, yeah, but we're not dealing with real people. We're dealing with fucking Superman. Mm. And basically saying, it doesn't matter if real people are dicks. Superman's not. We don't have to worry about that. Interesting. It is not a sequel to Watchmen. It is a counterpoint of basically saying, hey, we don't need to be gritty and assholes and nihilistic anymore in comics. Because ultimately, what happens is at the end of Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan goes like, all right, I'll go find my own universe, whatever, and all that kind of stuff. And he eventually finds the DC universe and he sees all the goings on and he goes like, ah, oh, this is cool. And he starts noticing the time repeats itself. And every once in a while, things disappear and they reappear. He's noticing the crises. And he goes like, wait a second. What if I did something to change things? So what he did was he moved the original Green Lantern's lantern six inches away so he didn't become the Green Lantern. So the JSA isn't formed. So the original, like, World War II superheroes don't happen. And then all the shit happens. And then eventually Superman becomes the new 52 Superman. Cold, distant, 
And Dr. Manhattan goes like, hey, this is a Superman I can relate to. I see myself in him. So they're blaming 52 on Dr. Manhattan. Essentially. That is the in-universe reason why the new 52 happened. Hmm. Okay. Because I literally never followed up on that. Um, and essentially, but they do follow up on uh, the dude with the genie from JSA and uh, Saturn Girl. Because hmm. they're big players in this comic. And basically, the whole point of the comic is pre-New 52 Superman is, is the current Superman in the universe. We, we know that from all the other bullshit that they've been doing. Yeah. And basically, everybody in the world is blaming, is going like, oh, all these super people are government conspiracies to try and combat Superman and all this kind of stuff. The Superman theory, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's going like, nah, it's bullshit. Uh... But all these different super beings from all these different countries are going like, no, it's it's a thing. We got to fight, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's not like Dr. Manhattan's purposely manipulating it that way. It's more of like the one thing Dr. Manhattan changed kind of lead, is leading to this. Hmm. And Superman, pre-New 52. So this is the Superman unaffected by Dr. Manhattan now kind, gentle, that kind of Superman, is basically runs into Dr. Manhattan and goes, who the fuck are you? What's going on? And they kind of have, like, through narration, that internal dialogue of, like, what is the difference between these two characters? And Dr. Manhattan, the whole time, has been seeing a vision of the future where he just sees Superman running at him, fist clenched, like he's about to punch him. But then... When the event actually happens, Superman punches a person who's right behind Dr. Manhattan, and he just looks at Dr. Manhattan and says, you gotta wake up. Either leave or help me. Either leave, help me, or if you're gonna fight me, fight me. And Dr. Manhattan goes like, I, hadn't, I didn't think of this was, a, this was a possibility. And his entire worldview kind of shatters. As he realizes what the key to the universe is. It's Superman. Yes, the things happened before Superman, but Superman is the catalyst. And if you make Superman kind of shitty person, the cat, the stuff around him is a shitty person. You know? So it's basically a massive thematic crescendo for what was set up in DC Rebirth number one. Yes. Because eventually, Dr. Manhattan goes... Like, something happens... And it's fixed. And now the JSA and the Legion of Superheroes come back. And it's this big, like, heroic moment. And it's, like, glorious and, like, all this kind of stuff. And, like, the old dude's been going, like, oh, man, I miss my genie from the bottle. And then he hears a voice and goes, like, oh, come on, Jenny, Jimmy. You haven't, I haven't been around in forever. You're the genie now. And he goes, like, right. And he turns into a fucking genie. And Saturn Girl gets all her future heroes back, and it's like, oh, this is really cool. It is a giant condemnation of everything of basically, like, superheroes are dumb because people are shit. It's like, no, people aren't shit because Superman exists. Clark Kent exists. Man, that sounds real fucking neato. I want to read that now. And uh, but Dr. Manhattan goes like, you know what? 
yeah, I did kind of fuck up. He goes back in time and basically puts the Grant Lantern back. And like, there's this other like ongoing side story where he's talking to this old Hollywood actor and he dies after one of the films because it turns out he was being blackmailed for being gay and like he got killed because of it. Dr. Manhattan goes back to his last meeting with the guy and goes like, Hey, yeah, I've been kind of a shit friend all your life, but I just want to leave, leave you with like one of the advice. Don't be afraid of who you are. And so he, the, the actor comes out as gay and he gets no work for a little bit, but then in the sixties he comes back and then you see like this clip far in the future is like, Oh, in the two thousands he's married and uh, living with his partner and he died happy and fulfilled. And it's like, Oh, that's sweet. That's cool. Like all this kind of stuff. And then Dr. Manhattan goes on basically in 10 years, Superman will be rebooted In 10 more years. He will be rebooted this time. He has a brother. And then he basically goes like the year is 21 blank. Uh, Superman arrives on earth. The year is this Superman arrives on earth. Basically, basically saying DC will continue reboot. So every generation of people, of readers, will have their own Superman that reflects them. Like, that, that you telling me that that's what happen, happens in the comic is legitimately giving me warm and fuzzies, so I can only imagine how awesome it is to read that. Especially because it's Dr. Manhattan, cold and calculating, basically learning the meaning of hope from Superman. It sounds pretty cool. Like, it sounds... It's also, like, a really nice, like, look. If you look, like, people in, like, 4,000 years can be like, whoa, DC's fucking ridiculously smart. Look what they did. Like, But, like, they also say, like, the year is 3,000, which is the year the Legion of Superheroes is supposed to take place. Humanity has reached a point where we are Superman, where we are Clark Kent. We are that kind of good <laughs> That's awesome. We're that kind of thing. But then Dr. Manhattan also goes like, yeah, but there's also a bunch of problems they have to face. And he talks about like, there's this crisis and then there's this crisis in the year 2030. There's secret crisis where Superman battles a green behemoth and the literal God of thunder. Bro. And it's just like, Oh, that's a cool Marvel reference. I like that. And basically it's, that's the whole point. It's basically saying superheroes are good people because they're good people and they are reflections of what we want in the world. That's like, oh man, we were just talking about that a few weeks ago with New Frontier, but like that's, oh, that's what I love about DC so much is it always comes around to this is about setting an example, not showing a mirror. And, like, here's the thing. Ozzy Mendez has been in the book the whole time, and he's been fucking douchebag Ozzy Mendez for the greater good. I will commit sins and all that kind of stuff. And at the end, we have this new Rorschach, and he's basically one of the people who was traumatized by the giant squid thing. And then the Watchmen. Okay? Uh-huh. And at the end, the whole book, he's going, like, I'm Rorschach. I'm Rorschach. And all this different kind of things. Like, I'm not worried. Like, he goes through this whole character arc. And at the end, you think, oh, it's Watchmen. He's going to kill Ozymandias. No. He goes, you're going to jail. You are going to face your crimes. He becomes a good hero. Like. So that's what I'm saying. It's not a Watchmen sequel. 
it is using Watchmen as a counterpoint for what DC is. Which is what Watchmen originally was supposed to be. Yeah. Sounds oh, very neat to me. there's also another really cool element because there's these two bad guys called uh, Mime and Mannequin throughout the whole book. Yeah, and... some figures of them at comic stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ozymandias gets some because he thinks, oh, they have some emotional connection to Dr. Manhattan. Maybe they can help me convince him to come back and help save the world. That's Ozymandias' plan. Um, and here's the thing. Ozymandias didn't save my mimic because, oh, she's pregnant and I can't, I can't take that life. Because here's the thing. Dr. Manhattan doesn't give a fuck. Remember Watchmen? He let comedian kill a person with a baby. It's because he knew, knew that their baby that they had to give up because they were criminals and put up for adoption would make Scar- uh, Silk Spectre and Night Owl, when they make new civilian identities and not be superheroes anymore, happy because they adopted the child. Mm. Okay, so he was, think- he was like looking at that. And he looks at that and he realizes, wait a second. I know why I actually saved them. I was blinded by my nihilism, but now I see hope. So he takes the child and he basically raises him for like six, seven years. And then Dr. Manhattan gives up his form, gives up his powers, puts them in the kid and sends the kid off to them to be raised as a, as a good person. And their, their biological daughter opens the door and goes like, Hey, who are you? And you see a little kid in a nice little suit with a Dr. Manhattan symbol on his forehead. And he says, hi, my name is Clark. Uh, John said that you welcome me here. That's beautiful. It gave Watchmen a good happy ending by giving them Superman. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I can't wait to hear Lynn Carr talk about how it's so shit next year. <laughs> uh, legit, legitimately, I wanted to throw my computer after watching his fucking um, Heroes in Crisis review. I mean, from what he's described, it didn't sound like a great story. It's not meant to be. I don't want to get in that argument tonight. I'm trying to stay in a good mood. But yeah, that's Doomsday Clock. Uh, awesome, awesome. Well, Cody, what do you got? Well, as far as like media and stuff like that, you know, I watched a crazy 1973 era trippy movie that I expected to be completely incohesive and crazy, and instead it was actually super thematic and very cohesive. Um, Legit. I forgot what it's called. No, it was called the. Nope, I forgot what it's called. Um, and I mean that was neat. I started playing the Avengers beta, which is neat. Also, um, the mm. it's really good at doing the Hulk. A lot of fun with that. Um, I started playing a game called Fall Guys. Is my new craze. I fucking love it. It's adorable and perfect and nice, and it's a battle royale, but it's a uh, it's like a, a ninja warrior thing, or like it's just an obstacle course. And if you can make it to the end, you win. You know, um, a battle royale platformer. Almost. You have to look up stuff about it. 
But the crazy thing, and this is where I'm going to be talking about my Friday, which is today. Um, so yesterday. No, today still. Oh Fuck shit! You. For me, today still. Oh wow! I might even be done within the day. Um. So. Today was supposed to be a Black Lives Matter rally, the second one of my town, at the courthouse. In response to that, there was a counter-protest created by some alt-right individuals and assholes and, you know, your, your general fucks. Um, and to avoid, because there were people inciting violence online, to avoid that, the BLM protest was moved to the uh, government complex up the road from my house, uh, which is where they're doing early voting. Um, and, like, nothing bad happened per se, but to start the day off, I, I just saw nothing. I was just getting pissed off all day because I saw nothing but, like, I was at the last BLM protest and I saw, like, people just yelling at us from the street. And when you had people in those near the street, nobody was really honking. There'd be like one or two people honking and like being like, yeah, you go guys. And I mean, I mean, yeah, I live in a Southern redneck town, but like still like seeing all these like flags and shit and like knowing what these people representing that shit started. Like it was just nothing but like all the big yee trucks with all the Trump stuff all over the place. And it's crazy and wild um, and annoying, but then, like, I'm starting to notice, like, this, this like, the, these weird things happening, and then I have people coming in, and I'm starting to see, like, the Klan is showing up in my town at this rally. Um, and, of course, they're not chased away. They're welcomed there, you know? Um, and then I'm just, like, standing outside of my store, because, by the way, this is a block away from my work. It's, like, within... I, I, I witnessed the whole thing from my job. Um, I'm standing there and I'm just watching these people and I'm seeing like bikers ride by doing the Nazi salute and shit like that. And I'm just getting more and more pissed off. I'm like, this is disgusting, you know? Um, and then um, while I was with a while, another customer came in and he was just talking about how crazy everything was. And he's like, yeah, I can't believe the people are out there with their white sheets and all. Um, we're talking to each other. And then all of a fucking sudden, you know, a couple ambulances drive by, whatever, you know, sirens blaring, cars pull over. Then another fucking ambulance drives by, and we both catch it, and the motherfucker's on fire. Just gunning it down the road. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know. I've I've never seen anything like it, but like, the whole area you just couldn't see because of the smoke that was left behind from this ambulance i don't even i'm so interested to find out what the fuck was going on if like ghost rider just grabbed something or like what like i don't even know what the circumstances of that to be all right would be like did they have a patient in the back that they needed to get to the hospital and they're also on fire like what the fuck you know then shortly later that day uh People came in demanding us, like, they came in demanding us 
to serve them. They didn't have a mask on them. We're like, hey, this is a business. You can't be in here without a mask. And he's like, no, nah, I had back surgery. And then, like, before, like, we were just like, oh, well, you know, you're going to have to, like, step outside or something like that. And then he just starts going crazy. Um, and he starts throwing HIPAA stuff around. And they threatened to call the cops on us because um, we won't serve them. And we're like, like, we literally told him, we're like, listen, we're willing to serve you, but you're not, like, going to work with us at all. Like, you could send her in to, like, just, because, um, like, neither one of them have masks on. We're like, you could send her in, do whatever, you know, or you could stand outside or something. Um, but we don't want to call the cops because there's no reason for it to be escalated to that, and it's not going to end the way you think. So, you know, like, let's just avoid this and, like, blah, blah, blah. And then they just start going insane. They go outside, wait in the car. The police get here. Dude, it it was like a comedy, man. I, I was, like, watching the conversation through the window, and I didn't, I couldn't even see the cops' faces. But, like, their body language, they're, like, kicking the dirt, and they walk up to the guy, and, like, he's just, like, raging. And, like, you could just tell they're, like, well, they didn't do anything illegal. You're the one that's doing the illegal shit. You can't do this. And they come inside, and they're like, uh... So, you know, and we're like, yeah, we know. Like... <laughs> like, and he's like, so the guy said, uh, like, he's like, did he show you his back thing? And we're like, yeah, we he showed him, he showed us the back thing, like, and and we're like, it doesn't matter, we have rules, we can't have people in here without like certain restrictions. We tried to give him different options. He like the wife doesn't have anything wrong with her, but she's not wearing a mask either, and so apparently all that was a smoke screen. Um, the cops didn't know that and they never, they didn't have to find that out. Um, cause like after the cops pretty much told them, they're like, yeah, you, you could either do it this way or you have to leave. And then they left and they were fucking pissed. And my God, did it feel great? My God, <laughs> it felt so good, dude. Cause like we were all like, we're like, if you like, cause they're like, well, we're going to call the cops. We're like, go ahead. Like, just go ahead. <laughs> like Cody, I love how you, you heard uh, the idea of it's no longer what we've been doing, but weekly vibes, it can be anything that we've just been really passionate about this week. And you decided to come in and tell a horror story that turns into the feel-good <laughs> movie of the summer. <laughs> I, I, I knew I had to talk about it today, and I'm like, dude, there's like no... like If this day didn't happen, it'd just be about like some action figures or something, but like for fuck's sake, man. like I... I as work was ending, I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to any store. I'm going fucking home. Like, I'm not letting any I other need, crazy shit happen today. I like, need not. all of the booze. <laughs> like, because, like, so the crazier thing is, um, I call the other store and I'm like, yo, they just drove off in your direction. Here's the story. And they're like, oh, we know. And I'm like, well, excuse me. They're like, yeah, Crescent City called us. Uh, oh. they, like, so they went to Crescent City. And they had to use the panic button at Crescent City because they were threatening to, like, fight the employee. Um, and what I found out is Crescent City was also being super lenient. They're like, listen, if you don't want to wear a mask, that's fine. If you're saying you can't, that's fine. You just can't be in here with the other customers. We're at max capacity. If you could wait outside while we have, while we treat or, like, 
serve these people, then we could serve you and like give you the store to yourself since you don't want to wear a mask. That's above it. They're not even supposed to do that. That's above and beyond everything trying to accommodate this customer. And he wanted to start a fight about it. Then they come to our store and they were acting surprised when we said the same shit. Then they go to the other store, right? They go to the third location now. Um, and Zully locks the door, the ASM over there. She locks the door and doesn't let them in. <laughs> um, and at first we were like, oh shit, that's not allowed. Um, but apparently it is because they were at max capacity and they were trying to come into the store and they're like, no, we're at max capacity. You can't come in here. You have to wear a mask. So then this couple calls our customer service, like corporate headquarters, only to be told again for like the 18th time by like the 18th person. Oh yeah, no, that's completely legal. They're not doing anything illegal. You'd like businesses reserve a right to not serve you and you can't go in without a mask it's corporate rules whatever and then they fucking storm off like these entitled gross pieces of shit like i'm so glad i got to see all day like these entitled gross pieces of shit riding around the front of my house like front of my store and just being gross and just it's cool to be the clan or nazis or whatever fuck them um and then you know, I get that coming into my store and I get to fucking eat it alive and just watch them, like, shrivel around in their sorrow. Like, meh, I can't fucking do... You gotta serve me, dude. They did have a nice service dog, though. Um, but anyways, that was over. It was whatever. Uh, the BLM protest at the voting thing had an amazing turnout. It was peaceful again, of fucking course. Um, and it was great, you know. Oh, also, by the way, there's a really funny picture going around. I'll see if I can't post it later. Um, everyone at the BLM, uh, everyone's wearing a mask. Everyone at this alt-right rally, you, there's a picture of probably like 50, 60 people, and you can't even zoom in and find one unless you see a cop. Like, It's almost like one side is intelligent and one side are complete idiots. I mean, yeah. Oh, did I actually say that on air? I am so sorry for saying something that might offend people and get our company in bad public standing. I don't even care. We're oh wait, we're not actually a fucking company. We're just free jackwads on the internet. Fuck you. Yeah. Hey, the monetary sum of three jackwads is yet to be disclosed. So you know who knows what that's worth. That's true. That's true. It's entirely true. It's worth a crusty sock. Chris, I told you not to tell anybody about that. I swear to God. <laughs> Jesus. Back, um, how about you? Uh, well, okay. So I spent this week doing an unhealthy amount of toy hunting because I was desperately trying to find the first wave of AEW figures. And I'm not... I'm not mad about not being able to find them because it seems like a lot of people are just legitimately wanting to find them for their collections. It's not like scalpers. And the company is being very transparent on Twitter about like, look, we're having shipping problems. Walmart's being kind of fucky, but we're trying our best to get them out. And I would, but I was still getting frustrated because I was checking Walmart's like three times a day towards the end of the week. And I ended up having almost having like a, a a mental episode at work because I was already pissed off that a Walmart had told me they were going to uh 
they were going to get some in and then they didn't have some in that day. And then I came in and it was just a really shitty morning at work too. Um, so I had to, I had to deal with that and beat, beat some shit back. But I went into that Walmart later that day and I was still feeling really shitty. And I, and, uh, they had restocked on basically every Hasbro line. And I was kind of like, you know what? It's the end of the week. I'm going to get paid tomorrow. Uh, and then I didn't end up getting paid tomorrow. Uh, ask me about that off recording, guys. Um, but uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get paid tomorrow. I've got the credit card now. I was planning to use it if I found the AEW figures today and then just pay it off tomorrow. I just need a win. So I bought the entire first wave of classified series. Um I got all the figures I wanted from the newest wave of Power Rangers Lightning Collection. Um, I got uh, Retro Card Marvel Legends Electro. Um, and I got uh, Earthrise Snapdragon, Rung. And I went to a Target a little later in that day, and they had Pounce and Wingspan already clearanced. So they would have been fifteen dollars. I got them for twelve. Pounce and wingspan. The clones. Oh. Yeah. I already um, own one of each of those, and they're. Eh. Yeah, I'm. So, I, but I basically spent the last twenty-four hours simping for Hasbro, and uh, you know what? It's been quite the lovely experience because I also uh, got reacquainted with some GI Joe media. I hadn't seen. Uh, basically any G.I. Joe in a few years. So I went and rewatched Retaliation for the first time since the theater. And, like, I think I just blocked it out at the time because I wasn't into the kind of thing that it is. But that is a damn good movie. Like, it's it's a wonderfully cheesy, macho action film. And that's exactly what G.I. Joe needs to be. Um, and then, uh, fucking, like, the Classified series, it's there's no like it sounds hyperbolic saying this but there's no other way to put it they are the best six inch action figures ever made like they blow everything in on the market out of the water right now oh ever made (laughs) they're really good they're the best right now at the price point for sure what what would you say is better than that what what would Mezco, you say is better than them? Fuck Mezco. Like, there's been other cool lines throughout the years. But, like, like, can you think of anything that, in the modern age, has this level of articulation, sculpt, and paintwork that isn't bogged down by fucking soft goods? Um... Three and three quarter inch. Oh, you said. I said six inch. I don't know. All the McFarland stuff's pretty good. Um, fucking Jazzware stuff's been pretty neat. The Black Series stuff is pretty good. Some like those are really really hidden. Okay, here's the thing. It's all really good, but these are damn good. No, yeah, they are. Are they all are really great? But like. Do be careful with like rose tinted glasses because, like, as much as great as they are, it's also like this is all of Hasbro's new tech rolled into like their homegrown, line. yeah, yeah. 
And like, I think that's what makes it so good is it's taking all these disparate elements from other lines and all these little aesthetic cues from all parts of G.I. Joe and throwing it all together in a blender. It's it's kind of like Hasbro saying, OK, what is the ultimate fusion of everything good we've ever done? And as a admitted Hasbro fanboy, I think it's glorious. Like, just just going through them in number order, Roadblock. I thought Roadblock was going to be a brick of a figure because of the limited waist, uh, the limited chest articulation and the fact that he only comes with uh, one gun that you can only hold a certain way. But, like, there's a lot of shit you can still get done with him. There's a lot of personality in the sculpt. And uh, just a big, solid, beefy boy that they can use for a lot of other big, solid, beefy boys going down the line. Uh, Snake Eyes, like... That's probably one of the best action figures. It's, it's, I think it's a a solid contender for best six-inch action figure ever made. It's such a perfect Snake Eyes sculpt. Literally, the only thing I would change about it is painting the visor silver, but I get that they went for such a plain color scheme because they wanted to homage the original toy, and I think it works. It's it's really great, and there's lots of cool little characterful details and callbacks, like his his uh, chest and arms are a bodysuit with little bits of armor all over them, which is the same kind of thing he was wearing in Retaliation. Um, he's got a silent, a, a pistol with a silencer, which is like a perfect weapon for Snake Eyes. He doesn't come with the Uzi, but he comes with a more futuristic-looking gun that's the same shape as an Uzi, so it works in my opinion. And like, I, I love that he's got the commando pants. But then you get down to his boots, and he's got, like, very subtle ninja toes. It's, it's mwah, mwah. Um, now, most of the Hasbro, uh, or most of the uh, G.I. Joe weapons are based off of Nerf guns, except for, like, Roblox's big thing. Yeah, and you and I have talked about this privately, but I fucking love that. I get my like older... That. I get why older collectors are pissed off about it, because, like, oh, you, you're used to G.I. Joe having realistic weapons. But for me, it it's such a nice, like, brand synergistic touch that also helps G.I. Joe as a franchise, because it's not tying it down to this is a military thing. It's a this is a sci-fi paramilitary thing. Yeah. My, my only thing is... um. Pretty much like the $40 version of Snake Eyes versus this version of Snake Eyes. Yeah, it comes with like some extra accessories. That's to be expected. But um, what I didn't realize is on that version, the Uzi and the Beretta that he comes with, the suppressor can go on either. Ooh. And I mean, it's a, it's a super nitpick, but you can't put it on like the uh, SMG. So That's it kind of sucks, but like. It is also just uberly good. Yeah, that's Scarlet's great. Oh my god, Scarlet! Legitimately, if they don't start using this buck on their other lines for female characters, I'ma get pissed off. I understand that the Hasbro teams don't really talk to each other much, but like, 
comparing this to the standard female Marvel Legends book or even the one they have for Lightning Collection, because, like, I got Ranger Slayer this week. She's pretty nice, but putting her next to Scarlet is, like, I can't even make a comparison because it's just light years ahead of it. It has all the same articulation as the guys, except for she doesn't have bicep swivels, but she doesn't really need them. And, like... I got a female six-inch action figure to hold a pose where she's doing a high kick without a stand for five minutes. I never would have thought that possible before this year. Yeah, like, she's cool. Also, did you know that you could take, like, the little bowcaster thing off the gun? It Literally every time I touch it, it pops off online. That's my yeah. one gripe with her. I didn't know it until Cole sent me a picture, and he's like, what's this? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me look at mine. And, like, touched it and it exploded. Yeah. Um, she's um, cool, man. Like, her armor is fucking dope. The colors, like, it, oh, in, in package and early idea. shots did it so, did it such a disservice. Because, like, the way the blues pop and the yellows look, like, I've not really seen color on things like this. Now, and how I, do you feel about the the face sculpt? Because I've heard a lot of people complaining about how she looks younger. Oh, I don't know. I got, I got like I picked up two, and like they look dope. I got one that looks like really dope. So, mm -hmm. so I mean, I don't know. She looks like somebody in her like thirties, twenties, thirties, twenty like late yeah. 20s, people keep 30s. saying she looks like she's right out of high school, and like I can kind of see it, but it looks fine to me. And also, okay, hear me out. Through the first three waves of this line, there's a natural story unfolding to me. Like, I can picture a show that is about these these designs, and you have a pre-established G.I. Joe unit of Roadblock, Snake Eyes, and Duke, and for this mission they're going to investigate a munitions, an illegal munitions dealer named Destro, they get assigned a new member to their team, Scarlet. She just joined up with the Joes. Maybe she's a student of Snake Eyes uh, that he he convinced to enlist. But she she's a little younger than the rest of them and a little less experienced. But she's still fully capable. And they track Destro as he's getting on a boat to this place called Cobra Island. And there they run into the Baroness and they see these hordes and hordes of troops. And, and it's Target exclusive. Yeah, and there's fucking ninjas there as well that are more than a match for Snake Eyes. And then they see this guy called Cobra Commander give a speech, and they're like, what the fuck is this? We have to get back to base and report to command. And that's like the first three or four episodes of the show. And Cobra's plot is to create this army of, like, Cobra bats that gets on their gaming PCs just so they could make sure to steal all the pre-orders for every fucking yes. toy in yes. existence. <laughs> like, I'll be honest, I have been, I have, by the quality of these figures, I was very tempted to just go on eBay and buy somebody's Baroness pre-order and, like, a couple of Cobra Troopers. Dude, alright, so... Here's like the other thing. All, most of these toys are pretty spot on. 
I love the classic design of uh, Roadblock, and I think he's missing a bit. He's definitely like lacking the most, but at the same time, he's also bigger than everyone. Um, it'd be dope if like we got like one more gun, or if like this gun separate. If the gun separated, it'd be over. Like it'd be it. Um, yeah, like make that make like the barrel disassemble into like maybe a uh, what's the fucking word? A tripod for the for the rest of the gun. And then, like, have the rest of the gun be a rifle that he could also lie down and pose like it's a sniper rifle. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I'm sure they will do stuff like that. Um, but the other thing is that Duke should have probably came with a helmet because he literally has everything else that he's supposed to have. Like, oh, yeah. But a helmet. Um, like Yeah, that Jake Paul looking motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, like... Duke is Duke is like the most divisive thing about G.I. Joe for me, because in current year, I kind of have a hard time with a white dude with a crew cut being the main character. But also, I get it. If they hadn't put him in there, longtime fans would have bitched incessantly. So it's just first wave. Here he is. Be happy. Um, but also, like, he's a great action figure, too. I've. I, I fucking got him in a pose where he's looking down the scope of his gun and firing it. I that That's something I've never been able to do with a six-inch figure. Um, I got him to do that laying down in a sniper position. Oh, I gotta try that. Um, I love that uh, he's got the G.I. Joe scar across his face, because I know that's been done on other versions of Duke before, but like I just learned how integral that is to the franchise a couple weeks ago. So it like hits even harder for me now. Um, real quick. Okay, I was about to ask if you knew what I was talking about. So let me flex some knowledge. Back in the sixties, when you're the in the garage with your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Back in the sixties, when the original GI Joe twelve-inch uh, figures were a thing, they were getting knocked off like crazy. So as a counterfeiting measure, uh, an anti-counterfeiting measure, Hasbro implemented two things to the face and body sculpt. The thumbs on the hands were inverted, so the nail was on the inside, and they put a scar across the um, left eye of all the Joes. And that's a thing that has been put on Duke uh, several in several different lines as a homage to the original 12-inch figures. That is dope. Yeah. The thumb thing is weird, though. I'd fucking hate that, but that's dope. Yeah. Um, and, like... I can't even imagine, like, having fingernails on the inside of your thumbs. <laughs> uh, and uh, the only one we haven't talked about yet is Destro, and, like... It is kind of just a six-inch Destro, but also it's fucking Destro. It's one of the greatest villain designs of all time, in my opinion. He's glorious. Uh, yeah. Um, he he is packed one per case. So, oh, how many are, are the other ones in a case? There's two of everyone except Destro. What the? F- <sighs> yeah. Wait. So somebody definitely bought the Destro that was up there, and mm-hmm. then Cole bought the other one. Son of a bitch, dude. I gotta <laughs> have a fucking Destro. So, he like, is... the other cool thing about that Destro, by the way, 
is my Sigma-6 Destro comes with almost identical accessories, except he also comes with a big missile launcher. That's cool. And He's I mean, he is a legitimately great figure. Um, I wasn't expecting the necklace to be a separate piece, so that's that's really fun that you have the option to take it off if you don't like it for some reason. Um, and uh, I dig the gun, uh, the the main black gun. I actually realized while I was messing around with him and stuff and something else I got uh, that he can. Uh, use the effects parts from uh fucking what do you call them war for cybertron trilogy transformers like if you have a blast effect from one of those battle masters you can just jonk it onto the end of his gun can all the guns do that no some of them can it depends on the sculpt of the barrels like snake eyes is pistol can uh i haven't found anything else though that's a nice touch um, especially because they shoot lasers. Yeah. Um, and like, I love that the briefcase, uh, can be used for multiple different, uh, setups or scenarios for photography. Cause it is just a very nice briefcase on the outside, but then on the inside you have both like a computer terminal for launch missile launch codes and stuff and just a shit ton of money. Yeah, it's dope. <laughs> I don't know how dope it is, but it is dope. Yeah. Um, it's uh it's just a it's it's such a solid first wave and it and it I understand now why people even longtime Joe fans are going like, yeah, this could be the only G.I. Joe line you ever need if you're a six inch person. Um and as a six inch person, uh it's not the only gi joe line i ever need i'm also collecting valor versus venom because that was the gi joe of my childhood but these things are so fucking dope that like i'll probably just get all the gi joe characters i like from this and unless they unless like 10 years goes by and they do more six inch figures that are even better than this i don't think i'm going to be getting any more future gi joe lines the only things i could say about that um, I'm worried about some of the rubberized plastic on like Snake Eyes's armbands or Roadblock's body piece. That um, is worrying, but like the same kind of material is also used on some current Marvel Legends, and I've not heard of problems with those yet. That's because they're current. Like my some of my some of my original Toy Biz figures, like some of that shit melted together. In room temperature conditions, like plastic chemicals do. I mean, that is old stuff, but like sometimes, like rubberized plastic breaks down. All the McFarland figures, they have um, on their ab crunch or like the, on their like ab ball joint. There's like either like the midriff or the upper chest will be like kind of rubberized, so like the lip can like they could do natural bends and it looks incredible in poses and stuff like that. You're like, wow, that's the best thing I've ever seen. But like, it still makes me worry. Like, you know, will that break? Will that harden, stiffen, you know, whatever. Um, but I don't know. I mean, they are incredible. I just really need a Destro. I also really love how like just the Baroness package everything about it like she has like a fucking helmeted head and all kinds of shit like that shit looks so cool oh yeah she looks dope 
Um, and it also makes me excited to get some more vehicles. Give me a trouble bubble, please. I mean, they did tease it on that initial poster, so I, I imagine it'll be coming fairly soon. All of the vehicles are on the initial poster, so I was like, yeah, they might not do them all. But well, also, I could see them too. doing, because Baroness is a deluxe release with a vehicle. I could see the next deluxe release with a vehicle being Cobra Officer with Trouble Bumble. Oh, God. Just buy 18. Um, Though I'm... I usually try to stay away from army building, but I'm probably going to get three of those target Cobra troopers because um, there's there's three different looks you can do with the face. And like you can put that armband on one of them to yeah. make them like an officer. That's a that is some super attractive hot goodness. Yeah. They kind of do that with the battle droids a little bit. And I love that. Um, uh, God damn it. They're so good, dude. I cannot wait for the Cobra bat. I'll fucking come. I love that. Um, God uh, damn it, they're so good, dude. I cannot wait for the Cobra Bat. I'll fucking come. <laughs> oh my God. There's two uh, different designs for the Cobra Bat, by the way, in that video game they teased. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, just to touch on a couple of the other Hasbro things I got this week, um, the new wave of uh, Lightning Collection is pretty good overall. Um, Billy is definitely, MMPR Blue, is definitely just a kind of open it, put it in a pose and throw it on a shelf thing for me, but it looks good for what it is. Uh, Ranger Slayer is better than I was expecting her to be, but again, it's like, yeah, next to Scarlet, this, this, this line needs to step up on its female sculpt. Um, Time Force Red is surprisingly great. Like, I don't care about that character that much, but, like, he's got a ton of new parts. There's a new chest piece with different sculpted wrinkles. Um, he comes with a really cool uh, gun. He's got his morpher sculpted into his wrist, which is accurate to the costume. I love the swords. And he has an alternate hand where he's giving the thumbs up. I don't remember him ever doing that in, like, a big moment in the show. But that's a hand I can give to any Red Ranger that has red gloves now. So, kind of great. Um, and then Retro Carded Electro, I was planning to get him and just throw him on the shelf because Spider-Man rogues are kind of like my main thing in Marvel Legends. But he's like a really great little figure, and I never noticed it until I had it in as a physical toy in my hands. But this costume design is just hilarious. Like, I I, I opened it up, and I p stood it up on the shelf, and I was legitimately laughing my ass off for two solid minutes. Yes. I mean, a lot of old Spider-Man bad guys are, fit that mold. I will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's the thing, though, is, like, I have this now, and I'm like... Yeah, I've got Green Goblin and he's great. And yeah, I need to get the symbiotes because they're great. And I want and I want to get that Sandman build a figure. But like, Hasbro, give me more of these goofy looking motherfuckers now. You've given me an inch, I want a mile. Give me fucking, give me the wall. Give me Big Wheel. Give me the fucking Hypno Hustler. I want all those give guys. Give me Jackal. Have they made a Jackal? They have. That was a build a figure. No, it was a figure. No, 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 no. Jackal. Jackal is one of the few figures I've army built in the last couple of years because he also just makes a great generic baddie for your tokusatsu figures. 
But also, the Jackal clones himself. Yeah. I've got three of them. See, I never got to army build anything ever before, really, either. Um, that's why I love buying the Black Series. Oh, yeah, I, I remember. Oh, yeah, it's in the same, same man way. Oh, I want, I want a fuzzy jackal. It's fair. Like, that's a contemporary jackal. I want, like... If you do, like, that kind of jackal, it needs to be the one with a leather jacket in the middle of Clone Saga. Mm. I imagine they'll eventually do, like, a Clone Saga free pack of, like, a Spider-Man, a, a Gwen Stacy clone, and uh, a, a new really? jackal. Dude, all yeah. I know is I need that retro card in Spider-Man, and I'll never fucking see it. Yeah, uh, I, I do kind of want that, because apparently it's a new sculpt that's got better articulation than Pizza Spidey, but... Also, it's not high priority because I have Pizza Spidey. See, I don't have Pizza Spidey. Ooh, I do. I have, do. <laughs> I do have uh, 2099 Spider Man, fucking Scarlet Spider Man, a bunch of other Spider Mans. So you've got every Spider Man but Peter. Ben Riley Spider Man. Yeah, literally, yes. <laughs> Um, awesome. I've been thinking of busting out oh, a lot of my uh, old figures and just started doing like toy photography. It's just because, eh, fuck it. That'd be dope. Oh, yeah. Dude, I'm so fucking ready for that war machine, dude. I just see mm. pictures of the war machine and the Iron Man standing together and I'm just like, Ugh. Uh, like it, it looks so great. I have 2099 uh, classic Iron Man and I'm waiting for that war machine, dude. I'm just, like, they're going to keep doing good our Iron Man figures finally, and I'm just going to keep fucking buying them, and I'm going to have a Hall armor. I don't give a fuck. Which, armor, which War Machine is it? Like, which era? It's the good it's, one. It's, it's the first War Machine look. It's the one from the War Machine origin we reviewed on this podcast. Oh, so the classic, classic, classic War Machine. Yeah, yeah I showed you a picture a while ago, and you were like, that unhelmeted head is fucking glorious because of the fucking crop top or whatever it was. His hairdo. Uh, flat top. Yes. I knew it was some kind of top. No. But we've been talking about toys for a solid half hour now. So probably about time to wrap up the podcast. So Cody, tell everyone who you are and where they can find your shit. I am Cody. And usually in this room that's adjacent from me, uh, it's got a toilet in there and stuff like that. Um <laughs> Not a common robo is something I plug every single time, and it's not the right thing ever. Um, <laughs> never underscore robot is my Instagram. I post all kinds of random shit on there, literally just disgusting. There's a slug video on there. Go check that out, guys. There's a slug Ooh, video. Um, my Twitch is some form of snow cone. It's Snowcon 83, no space. PlayStation is Snowcon 83 with space. And my Xbox is Snowcon 83, no space, capital S. And for everything else, it just it's one of them. So have fun. I dig the variation. It, it covers a lot of areas that your brand needs to be a part of. It's because I couldn't get it all the same. Oh, shit. Hey, Chris. Yo. Tell people who you are and where they can find you. Uh, hi, I'm Chris. You can call me Boingo Rider. I'm on the YouTube. It's at Boingo Rider. The link's in the description. You can also search. That's a thing. I'm also on Twitter. 
and Instagram at Boingo underscore writer. And hey, do you want to join my Discord? Well, you're in luck. There's a... (laughs) I can't believe you just fucking killed him on the podcast. (laughs) There's a link in the description. Keep going, keep going. Uh, That's about it. Well, hello everyone. I am the modular king of the content ring, the Vacuuminator, and I make videos on the YouTube, as most kids do these days. You can check them out at youtube.com slash the Vacuuminator. I've also got a presence on that Twitter and that Instagram, so you can check those out at the Vacuuminator. Um, really just engage with my brand. It it helps me out and makes me feel valued as a member of society. Uh, but what makes me feel even more valued as a member of society is when you subscribe to the channel this podcast is on. That's Modular Media. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, ring the bell to enable notifications, give this video a like in order to help it out in the YouTube algorithm. Maybe give us a comment with your own thoughts on I don't know, something we talked about tonight. Uh, and, uh, hey, while you're here, while I got you, do me a favor. Go and follow us on Twitter, at The Modular Media, and join our subreddit, r slash Modular Media. And, hey, I hear you. I hear you out there. You're complaining. You're whining. You're griping. You're going, I can't constantly engage with this. It's on YouTube. I don't always have the ability to listen to YouTube. I don't have YouTube Premium. Hey, guess what, friend? I've got a folder down in the video description on Google Drive of every podcast we've ever done as an MP3. You can download it. You can listen to it on the go without YouTube Premium. Did that just for you, old buddy, old pal. So get on it and then come back here next week and join us when we'll be discussing The Terminal.